The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How would you feel if 80 million people watched your first kiss? We'll find out today on Soap Central Live. What's happening this week on your favorite soap operas? It's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, recaps, and interviews with your favorite daytime stars. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody. I'm Dan Kroll. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. For oh, about the next hour or so, we'll be discussing anything and everything soap. And today we'll be joined by two of your favorite daytime stars. All My Children's Jill Larson will be here in just a few moments. And then coming up in the second half of the show, the bold and the beautiful and general hospital star, Sean Kanan, will join us. I hope that you've had a great week and thank you for choosing to kick off your weekend with us. It's I guess completely in gear here on the East, but for those of you out on the West Coast, you've got a couple more hours before you can officially start your weekend. Uh, we've got a little bit of awards news before we get into this week's show. The 2014SoapCentral.com Awards final ballot is now open for voting. Many of you know these awards as the Dankies. If you have not cast your vote Yet, now's the time to do so. You can just go over to SoapCentral.com slash Dankies, that's D-A-N-K-I-E-S, for complete details, including our social media options that allow you to tweet and Facebook and let everyone know how you voted and to encourage them to vote as well. So certainly want to get on the social media apps. If you're not there, you can also use it to uh, send out emails and get links so everyone will know that they need to go and vote. These are the awards that pick the best in soaps for all of the soaps. You've already voted to pick the best of each individual soap, and now this is sort of like the other awards that we're also going to talk about. The 2014 Daytime Emmys finally have a date and place. The ceremony will be held Sunday, June 22nd at the Beverly Hilton in Beverly Hills. There's still no word on a television deal as of the live broadcast of this show. Uh, the nominees will be announced on May 1st, and then the following day, we'll have a special daytime Emmys nomination special right here on Soap Central Live. That's Friday, May 2nd at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, right here on Soap Central Live. If you are listening to our live broadcast today, we'd love for you to be part of the show. To call in and chat with me or any of our guests, just give us a call on our toll-free caller line, 866-472-5788. Again, the number is 866-472-5788. 
If you'd like to ask a question or make a comment, but you can't get to the phone, maybe you're busy trying to plan a fashion show, you can certainly be part of the show by tweeting us at Soap Central and using the hashtag Soap Central Live. There's also an on-air thread on our official Facebook page, facebook.com slash Soap Central. You can also try sending out psychic energy, but I can't guarantee that I'll pick up on what you're sending me. So you may want to try to stick to some of the more tried and true forms formats. And with that, I guess we can move right into today's show because it's been just shy of two years now since my first guest last dropped by to chat with us here on Soap Central Live. Since that time, well, here's one of those soap-style explanations of what she's been up to. She reprised her Emmy-nominated role online, then later reunited with some of her former co-stars on another show where none of them were playing the same characters that they'd played before. Confused? Well, we're going to try to sort through all of that and get some additional information from the always wonderful Jill Larson. Jill, welcome back to Soap Central Live. Hello, how nice to hear your voice. It is always great to talk to you. I've been looking forward to this. What a delightful intro that was. <laughs> well, you know, soap fans, when folks want to know what's going on on shows, we can explain to each other what's going on, and it makes sense to us. But maybe in the world of non-soap fans, they can't keep up. So I figured I'd give you a, a truly soapy introduction. Well, thank you. That was very clever. <laughs> So even though, Jill, even though we've gotten to know you from your time and daytime, uh, one of the things that we've been doing here on the show is a little speed fire round here to get people uh, a little chance to know a little bit more about you. So I have some questions that are not necessarily soap related that I'm interested in getting your take on. All right. What's I'll the last find. movie you watched? Um, I watched one yesterday called Not Her Type or Not The Type. It's a beautiful French film that's coming out um in about six or eight months, and um, don't miss it. It, it I, I'm still thinking about it today. It was so, so beautiful. So, okay, I saw so that we'll, at the French Film Festival yesterday. Uh, I was going to ask if it's not coming out for six to eight months. You must have had a a special in to be able to check it out. Yeah, I know. It was really a, it was a last minute thing that I was able to get to, and uh, I'm really glad I did. Sometimes those those sort of it's not quite a best-kept secret because it's not out yet, but um, to, to see something that's sort of off the beaten track, I guess, is a better way of saying it, um, is a real reward, you know, so. We'll make sure so. that we pass along that information so folks who want to check it out, and keep in mind it's six to eight months away, but we'll, we'll keep it in the back of our heads and share it with everybody. Yes, yes, do. And then the next sort of random question would be, do you have a favorite board game? Um, I guess I'd say Monopoly comes up off the top of my head for a number of reasons. Um, sometimes I think of how whoever the Wall Streeters were who invented this game and how they, they, they sort of tune, you, tune the players into the idea of, of uh, you know, using your money to buy real estate and, um, and, and build your own personal fortune, I guess. I, I think this game was made actually during the uh, Depression. And uh, and I enjoy seeing all the various versions that are out now. We have one that is Chocolate Monopoly Ooh. and uh, uh, so forth. But uh, the best the best version of it that I have is when my daughter was about six. Um, her babysitter um, took care of her and uh, four other children who were the 
friends of, uh, who were the children of family friends, and she helped them to make a personalized Monopoly board so that it has different land squares to land on for the various kids' schools and all the different sort of places and events in the lives of our three families. And um, wow. we pulled it out just the other day now that all the kids are going off to college, at, or, or over Christmas, I mean, and uh, we all sat down and played it and just had the best time. It was just uh, a, a great memento of those early days, you know, when they were all little, so... It really is those special personalized things that mean so much. And that's a, a good lesson for anybody who's listening. You can make your own game. You can take that idea and, and really make something that means, uh, you know, something special and a little bit yes. more. Yes, personalize it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. so, Jill, at the top of the show, I don't know if you were able to hear, but I, I mentioned that we are in the process of voting in the SoapCentral.com awards, and I have some very exciting news for you. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but All My Children fans selected you as the most outstanding supporting actress for 2013. Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm speechless. I'm flabbergasted and um, just deeply honored that uh oh what a lovely lovely thing uh, it's oh i feel sort of uh, <laughs> like i'm going to cry um i guess having not been a part of the show and you know having sort of lost the show since last may i think it was that we that we supposedly were going on hiatus um i uh, i forget what a what a community of of soap fans and daytime people uh, still are in the world and um, and to be thought of like that is uh, is is deeply flattering. So uh, please say thank you to all of them on my behalf. I, I think that you just did. I think that that was better than anything I could convey to them. Oh, lovely! It's really lovely. Thank you. With so, that uh, honor comes, uh, uh, it's not quite a, any sort of responsibility. It's, it's uh, fun, and it's great to know that the fans support you. So I guess that the question I would have for you is, what does it mean to be a good supporting actress? What, you know, we, we have these titles, and certainly fans speculate on things on their own, but in your opinion, what is the sign of a truly good supporting actress or actor? Well, I guess you're called supporting if you're not the lead, you know? So you could say there's those sort of somewhat derogatory old expressions like second fiddle, um, but, uh, but they are characters that do support the story, that are integral to telling a story, and yet they may not be, you know, the story may not be entirely about them. They... They are the fabric with which the story is told, I think, or um, bring in um, other colors and tones to the story and and hopefully um, bring additional substance to the story. I, I, I would like to think even with a character as sort of zany um, as Opal that uh, there were times when she brought real... Um, she brought another point of view. She She brought another uh, element 
to to telling a story. And uh, so I guess that's that's what I would say is is the definition of a supporting actor and uh, and uh, well a good one. I I. Uh, I don't know that I have anything specific to say about that, except good actors are good actors, whether they're in leading roles or or smaller roles, more supporting roles, or even cameo pieces. You know, uh, I have a friend who had a cameo in uh, the movie at Fargo years ago, and I, when I got the video, I didn't know he was in it, and when I when I saw his little scene, which was probably. Um, maybe a minute and a half long, I, I was just astounded. Not because I knew him, but by the the the, the reality of uh, of what he brought to that moment in the film. And uh, so, you know, it can be a very small thing and still be... I mean, think of uh, Scarlett Johansson in... Uh, oh, what's that? Her... In last year's uh, mm-hmm. Oscar things, she was never even seen, and yet, what a tremendous presence she brought to the screen. So, uh, there are a lot of people who are echoing what you said about a tremendous presence. Many saying that they can't imagine all my children without Opal. So, I think certainly oh. you have left your mark. Oh, that's really, really a lovely um, memento for me, if you will. Uh, a lovely thing to carry with me as I go forward into my, um, you know, the the my future uh, as an actor to to know. I've I've always sort of said that you know I started as a theater actress and and one thing I loved about being in the theater is that you feel the audience and you you know if you're reaching them or not and so forth right in the moment. But television, of course, is not like that and. And so when you get that kind of feedback about from your audience, it's, uh, it's doubly meaningful. It's lovely. So. What have you heard from fans regarding the reunion of sorts? Uh, not quite maybe what all my children had fans had expected, but you were able to join The Young and the Restless earlier this month uh-huh. for a, a short term and reunited with Jacob Young and Katie McLean was there and uh, Elizabeth Hendrickson and uh, uh, Melissa Claire Egan. There were a whole That's lot of former... That's right, my and Amelia Marshall. That, yeah, I mean, Amelia Heinlein, right, yes. yeah. So what was that like? I mean, it's, it's certainly it was a lot of fun for the fans to be able to see everyone, you know, the whole gang together again, but obviously yeah. in new roles. Well, that's right. And um, I, was, I was, of course, quite nervous um, because it's very hard to come in as a new person. Even if you have, you know, a history in daytime, when you go into a new show... You're dealing with new characters, with new character names, with new sets, with to some degree new crew. Um, everything is new. And the hard part about doing daytime is that um, you don't have a lot of rehearsal, as is well known. And um, so your focus, your, your concentration has to be laser sharp. And um, there, all, of the, all of this newness is is there and will pull you off your focus, will be a distraction, you know. And um, so I, I was quite nervous. And, of course, 
as you saw my, my little part that I had, um, it, there wasn't any opportunity for me to really, I didn't really have any real dialogue or real exchange. It was little interjections here, there, and everywhere. So, so to, to find some kind of a little character um, with so little opportunity to really make a mark, I, I was worried, and I'm not entirely sure I, I achieved that, but, um, but to, to, to arrive at the studio and to have everybody there, it was just, it was so wonderful. And to get to catch up with everybody, hear about Melissa's uh, uh, pending wedding and mm-hmm. hear about Jacob's new daughter and, you know, all of that was, uh, was, was just really, real thrill, a thrill. And to see Elizabeth and Amelia, people I hadn't seen in, you know, hadn't been on all my children in a very long time as well. Um, it was, uh, it was just marvelous. And so that certainly did put me at ease and, uh, and was very helpful in terms of my, uh, you know, accomplishing whatever I did manage to accomplish in those couple of days. So, and, and I guess the other thing, it's sort of like, um, like the, your your acknowledgement for your um, Soap Central um, awards or whatever you're calling them um, is is the reminder that um, even though I'm no longer on a show in an ongoing way, um, I am part of a, a larger community that 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 goes on and that continues to exist and. Um, and that I felt very supported and appreciated and loved. And uh, what's bad about that, right? <laughs> oh, nothing. I mean, that does give me uh, an interesting question that popped into mind. Does, do you think that that's different for soap actors, particularly for uh, actors who are on soaps for an, a long period of time? They really do tend to become associated with a particular role where actors that are in movies, they're very lucky to be able to have one iconic role that people will remember them for. They tend to, you know, go from role to role to role to role. Uh-huh. Do you think that that's something that uh, film actors or actors that do sort of that bopping around don't get a chance to maybe uh, fully appreciate or understand? Well, I, I mean, in terms of, of the daytime, um, in in terms of daytime, at, at large, I, I think, well, I think that daytime is very much misunderstood, and that's another whole conversation, um, but I think it, for any actor who's never worked in daytime, it's impossible to know what that experience is like, because it is unique. It's unlike any other acting uh, experience or opportunity. Um I have not, uh, well, I did just recently do a film where I played uh, the lead, but that was my first uh, experience um, playing a, a substantial role in a film. But I do understand and know that actors who do play lead roles or big, important roles in films, they prepare for them for a very long time. And um, they come with a, a, a full-blown character in their psyche and ready to sort of hit the ground running with that. And um, the difference is, I mean, you hope that you have that in daytime, but in, but the truth of it is 
you are working so consistently and always with new lines and new story and so forth that um, your character kind of grows along with you. And that is, to me, one of the pleasures of, of working in daytime is that you, you can sort of, it, it's more, um, well, disposable is, is not the right word except that, um, you know, you, you come into work and you, um, you do a day's work and you come away and you say, oh, oh, damn, that wasn't quite what I wanted. It wasn't, it wasn't as good as it could have been or I really messed up or I missed the point or I didn't get it and now I get it or whatever. But it's like, oh, well, that's yesterday. I, am, I will be doing something else with the same character tomorrow so I can still bring that to my, to the, you know, whatever lies ahead for the character. And, uh, and so um, I, I can't remember what your question was. <laughs> but I hope no, I answered it. <laughs> you know, you, you definitely did. I, I, but I think, I, I was circling back slightly, you'd mentioned um, sort of being nervous for your time on The Young and the Restless. I want to transition that to something that makes pretty much everyone nervous, and that's their first kiss. And your first kiss of sorts has been seen by now 80 million people. Let's talk about the short film First Kiss. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, uh, (laughs) it just was something that sort of I I backed into, if you will, because I had worked with the the filmmaker Tatya Pilieva um, on a a full-length film about a year and a half ago. And, um, so she just sent an email and said, you know, I'm doing this little thing and you want to come by for a half an hour, uh, on this and such a day. And, and this is what I'm, what, what we're going to do. This is the premise. And I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. Um, I certainly had plenty of kisses with maybe not strangers, but, but people I wasn't romantically involved with in my line of duty, if you will, as an actress. Um, but that was always as a character. That was always with someone that I had some familiarity, some knowledge of, and, um, and it was um, always directed. So it, was, it had an intention, and there were things expected of the kiss. Um, this one was just me, and I thought that, that's an interesting experience and an experiment to see what is that like. And, um, and so I was intrigued by the idea, and I have so much respect and appreciation for this woman and her talent. Katya is a, is a, is a deeply talented um, artist. And so I felt safe in her care, if you will. And so I went, and um, as you as you learned, it was a, a promotion for um, a, a company of a, a clothing design company that is uh, the clothing designer is a good friend of the of the filmmaker, which is how the whole thing came about. And um, so I arrived there, and there was a this um, man, you know, probably in his mid, early thirties. And I was teasing him a little bit about it because he and another young woman worked for the company and they were helping people who were coming in pick out something to wear um, for, the, for the shoes. 
And I was teasing them because they both were had loved tattoos. And so we were talking about the whole culture of tattoo and so forth. And I got into the dress and they liked it and so forth and so on. And then Tatya said, okay, okay, um, you two, come on, it's your turn or something. And I think both of us were completely taken aback that we were paired with each other for this kiss. Um, and so... So that sort of added a bit of, uh, I don't know, being flummoxed or something um, uh, to the whole the whole picture. But um, but it was a lovely, pure kind of experience. It just uh, it just was very special, and it's been so amazing to me to see this thing go viral the way it has. And um, I feel that that's a very positive thing. I like to think that that is a reflection of a, a larger sort of yearning or longing that we have of um, uh, for connection and maybe uh, recapturing some innocence um, in our lives. And so... In these harsh and difficult times, it's nice to know that there are people responding to something as sort of um, pure as as I felt this little being was. It definitely is, and it's it's interesting to sort of see what you feel when you watch this. And we've posted a link for those of you out there who are listening on our official Twitter feed, at Soap Central. Uh, I'm watching the clock and making sure that we don't run out of time, Jill. I also want to talk about some of these other projects. I know that in addition to the trailer for Forever, which was also put together by Tatya, you are Mm -hmm. in another film. It's called The Taking, I believe. What can you tell us about that? Well, the title has been expanded to be The Taking of Deborah Logan, and that's the character that I play. And she's a woman who's diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and um, her daughter comes home uh, from Boston to take care of her, and um, hasn't lived at home for many years, and they find, they, they, they get in touch with a woman, a young PhD student who's doing a, a thesis on Alzheimer's and how it impacts people di- diagnosed and their caregivers. And uh, so she brings a couple of guys with her who are a film crew to document the demise, basically. And uh, so that's sort of the premise of the story. It's, um, it's quite, it, it is a horror film. I've never oh. seen a horror film. Um, I was a little reticent to um, even get involved because I, I don't know anything about the genre. <clears throat> but I have learned a little bit more. And I am so grateful that I found the courage to take the leap because it was a magnificent experience for me. And I think the film will be released. I mean, they're already selling it quite... Um, <clears throat> quite um, well, there's, there, there's quite a lot of interest in uh, Europe uh, in the film, so they're selling it quite a bit there. And I think that it will be released here, you know, relatively soon, within the next month or two, is my understanding. But who knows with these film things. So, so um, I don't know that... I'll see it because it's kind of scary. <laughs> I think it's interesting. There are a couple of people who've just messaged me saying that they're surprised that you've never seen uh, anything that would be considered a horror film. 
Yeah, I'm too porous, you know. I take that stuff in, and then it, it, it enters my dreams, and it enters my psyche, and I carry it around. I'm not, um, I understand a little bit more about uh, horror films and how they kind of provide the same kind of thrills um, that like a roller coaster ride or something does. And I don't do roller coasters either. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's just my nature, you know. Um, I tried to watch Rosemary's Baby while I was uh, shooting this film. You know, uh, we were on location in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I had some time at night. But I, I only got about 20 minutes into it. And then the spirit started talking or something. I said, okay, okay, that's it. Turn it off. Turn it off. And uh, so, so you know, I like, I like French films. They're not scary. <laughs> no, I, I think that we talked about uh, that. The, if I'm not mistaken, we talked about that the last time as well. So, I mean, oh, it, really? No, I, I, I'm pretty oh. sure. I, you know, it's it's been two years, so I, I don't have it all. Yeah. There. The one thing that stood out in my head is I remember you mentioning uh, going to. I want to say Siena in Italy, and there was a certain pasta there that apparently they make. Oh that. my God! What a memory you have! That's incredible, there. I remember anything about food. That's all. Oh. If nothing else, I remember food. Yes, well, likewise. That's why I, I was particularly excited when I saw that you were here in Pennsylvania at Hershey for some sort of chocolate tasting, which sounds absolutely amazing and delicious to me. Well, you know, I was, um, I was driving my daughter to look at one of the colleges she is considering uh, going to this fall, and um, there was a sign on the highway saying Hershey, Pennsylvania. And when I was in about the sixth grade, my best friend, their family went to Hershey, Pennsylvania as part of a vacation trip or something they were doing. Um, she told me about the streetlights that are shaped like Hershey's Kisses. And my whole life I thought, I've got to see those streetlights. I just have to. And so there was the sign. And so we just pulled right off and, and went and... We were just there an hour, but we had a wonderful time. <laughs> it was a great, a great side trip, you know. You'll need to go back. Apparently, they also have uh, chocolate massages and chocolate spa days, and oh, all you're stuff. kidding! This is this is the word on the street, Jill. I have not yet. Uh, oh, I don't have time for goodness. that. I have. I want to eat the chocolate. I don't really want to, you know, waste yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. But. <laughs> Well, but it was fun to learn about about where chocolate comes from and how it's grown and processed and everything in order to make it into a chocolate bar. And so that was it. We had a good time. Well, now that we've made everyone hungry, unfortunately, we are out of time. So everyone's going to have to uh, wait until our commercial break to run and get their snacks. But, Jill, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out to sort of – catch us up on what you've been up to and, and reminisce and, and certainly to uh, grace us with your presence. I've really appreciated it and I know that the fans well, have you're well. most welcome, Dan. And I will just say in closing that I am going to be doing a production of The Foreigner, a very wild, wacky, funny farce at the Gettysburg, at the Totem Pole Playhouse in Gettysburg this summer. So if anybody is around uh, that part of the, of, the, of the state of Pennsylvania and wants to um, drop by Hershey's, make a chocolate bar, and then come over and see our play. Uh, 
I recommend it. (laughs) That sounds like a road trip, and maybe we will have to take you up on that offer. So, Jill, again, thank you so much. Folks out there, you can keep up with Jill at Jill Larson on Twitter. And I have your Facebook page around here as well. It's Jill Larson Official Fan Page. Jill, thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Everybody stay tuned. We have Sean Kanan on the other side of this commercial break. We'll be back in just about two minutes. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, Check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in today with Soap Central Live starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want to dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at SoapCentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soap Central Live. It is old home day here, I guess. You just heard Jill Larson, who it's been about two years since she was last on the show. And my next guest, well, it's also been just about two years since he was last here to chat with us. Now, his time on General Hospital is sadly just about up. But the good news is that fans won't have to wait all that long to see Sean Kanan back on daytime. He's stepping back into the role of Deacon Sharp on The Bold and the Beautiful starting in June. So, Sean Kanan, Welcome back to Soap Central Live. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. We, we were talking, you know, between the commercials here, and uh, sort of a, a seemingly innocent question of asking you, are you ready for your weekend? And you said that <laughs> we will definitely talk about that on air. So here we go. Are you ready for your weekend, Sean? <laughs> well, I've never met a weekend I didn't like. So, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm really ready. You know, I, I just finished my first week uh, over uh, at Bold and the Beautiful, and i got to tell you, it was... Uh, it was such a great week, and uh, you know I'm uh, I have a week off now. We we're, we're dark for a week, and I, I have to tell you, I I can't wait for the dark week to be over to get back and uh, get back into working because it's just it's just been great. That's high praise that you're actually looking to get back from your vacation before it's really even started. 
Yeah, well, you know, I got to tell you, it, it just I, I, from from day one of being back, it was so comfortable and familiar, and you know, everyone was uh, so incredibly welcoming. Uh, everybody from you know Brad Bell on down, and uh, it's just it's a great work environment. Really happy to be there. You've mentioned in the past that Deacon is pr- the favorite of all the characters you've played. What is it about Deacon that you you find so appealing? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think he's a guy that is, uh, he's definitely um, uh, a, a guy that has a lot of foibles. I mean, he's, he's uh, an ethically challenged guy, but there, there's this little component of him where he tries to adhere to this sort of strange code of honor that, that I guess he's kind of created for himself. And, you know, and he really does want to be a good father to his daughter, but he just can't kind of ignore the devil that's on his shoulder. And it's a lot of fun to play a character like that. You know, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a really naughty guy that's always stirring the pot. And that's, that's as, you know, as a guy on daytime, it's such a fun, interesting place to be as opposed to being a character that's, you know, sort of just a through and through good guy. Um, and even a through and through bad guy, as fun as they are, um, after a while, what happens is, you know, through a storyline, you alienate yourself from all the other characters, and it's difficult to stick around for any lengthy period of time. You know, after a while, you do so many bad things that, you know, they almost have to write you off. And the thing about Deacon is just when you think he's done something that is about as bad as it gets, he turns around and kind of does something to redeem himself. I know some people in, in the real world who it's about time that they do some things to redeem themselves. Yeah, don't we all, right? Yeah. So with that, I mean, I guess the question becomes, how did this return to the bold and the beautiful come about? It's been, I want to say the last time that we saw Deacon was October 2012. So it's, it's been uh, quite a while. So where did the conversation come? How did we get to the point where you're able to go back to B&B? You know, I, I, I'm very fortunate. I have, a, I have a very interesting relationship with my boss, Brad Bell. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. And, um, you know, even when I haven't been working for him, I've, I've really, um, I've, I've always enjoyed keeping, you know, keeping in contact with him. And, and every now and then we would shoot each other an email, and I was, you know, always happy to hear what was going on in his life. And, and he was always very, uh, uh, you know, open to hearing what was going on with mine. And he knew that I was under contract with GH, but we said, you know, if anything ever changes, to let him know. And, uh, you know, when, when it looked like I was going to be able to uh, leave General Hospital, uh, Brad and I spoke, and, you know, true to his word, he, he wanted to, uh, to get me back on the canvas. And uh, it all happened pretty quickly. So, um, you know, I, I think as I, as I was sort of fading out of GH, Brad and I spoke a couple times, and, you know, fortunately, we were, we were able to make this happen. With that, and mentioning General Hospital, and there are a lot of fans who have weighed in, and, you know, for me, I believe that sometimes it's best to look forward and not look back, but the fans do have a bunch of questions, so I guess the easiest <laughs> way to address the matter would be to say that there are obviously a lot of fans who are upset that you're no longer a part of General Hospital, and certainly we right. hope if they tune into the Bold and the Beautiful to check you out. Um, what would your message be to them? What would you say to the the folks who are tweeting, since they are, and messaging and saying that they're not really happy with with the way that 
things maybe transpired. Is that a, a diplomatic well, way to say I, it? I, I, I guess the, I guess the best way that I could say say to the fans is that you know I really am sincerely sorry if if you know their their expectations were were not met, and I, I really I apologize for that, and and I, I certainly feel uh, a loyalty and a responsibility to them. Unfortunately, you know, so much of what happens when you're on a series is is very much not in the actor's control and uh you know it, it just was the right thing for me to do for myself for my family um you know it, it really was much more than just a case of uh my not necessarily being happy with you know my storyline and wanting to take my marbles and go home and i i think maybe it's been characterized like that a little bit and that's not the case i, I you know Keeping in mind what you said about looking to the future rather than looking behind, I am kind of going to leave it at that. Uh, you know, I've said this before in interviews, but I'll reiterate it, that I was extremely fortunate and thankful that, you know, uh, Frank Valentini and, and to a large extent Mark Teschner, the casting director, uh, chose to bring me back for the 50th anniversary and, and the 13,000th episode of the show. Uh, you know, that's a piece of, uh, television history, but, uh, you know, there were, there were other things going on that, um, just made it the right thing for me to do to, uh, to move on. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly, you know, it's cliche, but I mean, I, I wish everyone the best there. I have nothing but, uh, good feelings, uh, for everyone there and from the experience, but, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm I'm definitely very happy to be where I am right now, and uh, I am absolutely planning on doing my best to knock this out of the park for myself and for the fans. Answered like a true gentleman, perhaps one would say, Sean, a modern gentleman, which... <laughs> Thank you. You know, there, there are always segues going on in my head. You do have a book, and for folks who aren't sure what the segue is, called The Modern Gentleman, Cooking and Entertaining with Sean Kane. And Sean, how long have you had a passion for cooking? Uh, I'm sure everyone has a passion right. for food, but what about the cooking aspect? <laughs> you know, I, I think I started cooking, uh, trying to get a little serious about it when I was back in, in college. I didn't really have enough money to take girls out for fancy dinners, but I figured if I could, if I could, provide them with something that they probably were lacking, which was kind of a home-cooked meal, maybe I could get them to talk to me, and it, it worked out okay. And, uh, you know, along the way, I really fell in love with cooking because I, I see it very much as a, as a conduit, a bridge to connecting with people. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you speak the same language. It doesn't matter if you have anything in common. You know, you, you, you break bread with somebody and you sit down, and especially if you're in the kitchen cooking with them, uh, it, it tells you a lot about them. It's kind of like when golfers say, you know, let me play 18 holes with a guy and I'll tell you what he's, a light, he's, he's all about. Throw me in the kitchen with somebody for an hour and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you who they are. So then what would you say to someone, and I, I think the common response to this would be, oh, I can't even boil a pot of water. What do you say to people who say they can't cook and there's no way that they can cook? I think that you really got to get over the idea of it has to be perfect. The only time it has to be really perfect is when you're baking because baking is very mathematical, but cooking 
it's really artistic and it's very subjective and it, it allows you to improvise a lot. And, and there's actually, there's a lot of interesting parallels to cooking and to acting. And if you get over the fear of, oh my God, I have to make this perfectly and realize that sometimes the mistakes that happen in the kitchen are, you know, what wind up being the best thing. I mean, you know, for instance, there's a famous story about, I guess there was an English explorer and he hadn't eaten in days and he's running through the jungles of Africa and he's being chased by, you know, a, a tribesman and he decides he's going to take his own life and he knew that tapioca was poisonous. So he boiled it and lo and behold, it saved his life because it made, you know, a, a tapioca pudding dish and, and he ate it and, and it was a mistake. He had intended on killing himself. And so, um, you know, I, I think if you're willing to get in there and make some mistakes and have some fun, uh, it can be a really rewarding thing. One of those mistakes would not be uh, mistaking baking powder and baking soda. However, I have done that in the past. Uh, it, did not, <laughs> it didn't end okay. well. Yeah, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, what are you, you going to do? It happens. Yeah, you know, instead of putting in, you know, vanilla, you accidentally put in Worcestershire sauce, whatever. Right, you know, exactly. <laughs> stuff happens. So it I mentioned a dessert to an entree. <laughs> it kind of does. It's it's a full purpose meal. So the title of the book is The Modern Gentleman. I guess it, it does make me want to ask you, what is your definition of the modern gentleman? You know, I, I think that the modern gentleman is a guy that's confident that has a, a strong sense of who he is in the world, who he is to himself and who he is to other people, that they, they can depend on him, that he is always somebody that seeks to try and put other people's needs first and, and fight the, uh, you know, the nine-headed monster that's entitlement, which I, I think, you know, my wife said something really interesting. I'm going to try and get it right. I hope I don't blow it. But she said <laughs> something like, you know, my parents' generation was told, uh, if you work hard, you know, you can, you can have a great life. And then the next generation was, if you work hard, you can have anything. And then the generation now is kind of like, you deserve to have everything. And, uh, I think entitlement is something that really is, uh, something that's been really detrimental to, uh, a lot of kids growing up these days. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in my generation, too. Um, and I think the modern gentleman seeks to make others comfortable first, maybe even before it, it, it himself. And, you know, the modern gentleman is, is written in a masculine voice, but it really there's no reason that, you know, it can't absolutely be uh, extracted and, and relate to women just as well. And if you are out there wondering more about the Modern Gentleman. You can go to Sean Kanan, themoderngentleman.com. We've also posted the link on our Twitter feed. But with The Modern Gentleman, anything modern, it makes me think of, you know, the internet and what goes on. There is an entry, Sean, on The Modern Gentleman about dating and the topic. It's called A Gentleman's Guide to Sexting. Sean. Ah, yes. Sexting. Yes. For, for folks out there who don't know what sexting is, uh, this is probably not the place for you to, to get all the details, but Sean, what is sexting? <laughs> well, I think sexting is, sexting is the, the art, the, the, the subtle and sometimes not so subtle art <laughs> of, of sending uh, provocative, uh, provocative texts to, uh, to a potential uh, paramour. And, you know, the one thing that I say is the cardinal rule is 
you know, it's it's uh, it's only a couple of letters between mom and Mary. So you know, you got to be real careful who you're texting, and you also want to be real sure that you know you got about a ninety five percent surety rate <laughs> that the person you're sending it to is going to be receptive to it. Mm-hmm. So you know, there are there are definitely some rules that go along with it. I guess keep the camera out of your pants if you don't know who you're sending yeah, it to. Yeah, you know, that's not really, no one needs to see that. Just ask Anthony Weiner, you know. Uh, you know I, I think sexting is meant to be sort of titillating and provocative, but not in any way, you know, embarrassing or humiliating or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's something to sort of, you know, set the uh, set the mood for hopefully what's to come later and, you know. It's uh, it's 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 more of what's not said than what is said that I think piques the uh, interest and curiosity. There are, I believe, some characters on the Bold and the Beautiful who could probably learn a lot from that particular entry on your website. <laughs> okay. So uh, this, I'm not sure. Who, I'm not sure who it is, but I'm sure yeah, I'll find out. Uh, I'm sure. You know, it's 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 soaps, guys. We do have a caller who's on the line. Just wanted to say hello to you from Los Angeles. We have Sammy on the line. Welcome to Soap Central Live. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, Sean. I, I've tweeted Hi, you a few Sammy. times and I've written you. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for calling in. I thanks. I, I just wanted to say hi. That was basically it. And I'm so happy that you're <laughs> back on B and B. Oh, thank you so much. I'll, I'm going to start airing uh, Friday, the, Friday, June 13th. Ooh. So uh, Ooh. I really hope everyone will tune in for that. I will be there. I will. I will definitely tune in. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You, Thank you, Sammy. I've, I've, I've watched you since 2000. So. Oh, cool! Since, All right, well, you know what? Debut. I think they're gonna have some really good stuff for me. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Okay. Take care. I, I just noticed Friday the 13th, Sean. Hmm. Is that? Uh, wow. It's sort of foreboding. Hopefully, it's uh, not darkening anybody's doorstep when Deacon shows up. No, I don't. I don't think it is. Uh, I, you know, I, I can't tell you what's going on, but uh, I don't think it's darkening anyone's doorstep. Uh, it's going to be. Uh, there's going to be some very interesting pairings. Let's just say that. We'll leave it at that. You know, obviously, I'm going to. Uh, Deacon's going to do his best to reconnect with his daughter Hope, and um, you know, try and atone for what happened in Italy with uh, ruining her wedding with Liam, and and really try and I think be as decent and good a man and father as he can be to her. Uh, all the while, you know, dealing with dealing with his demons and his uh, his devils. Well, demons, devils, the next thing in in that list, I guess it's like an SAT question here would be zombies, and you <laughs> are going to be a part of the web series. It's called Acting Dead. It premiered earlier yeah. this week at actingdead.com. Uh, what can you tell us about your involvement in this project, which is revolving around actors that become zombies in order right. to get work? Right. You know, I got, I got a call to do one episode of it, and it sounded like a lot of fun. I'm kind of a fan of zombies, so I did it uh, a little while back. I worked with a guy, a really talented guy, Peter Vogt. Uh, I had worked with his brother, Paul Vogt, who was one of the uh, members of Mad TV. Uh, so it was kind of fun to work with, uh, the other twin brother, cause they're twins. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. I play a kind of, a kind of really strange director who directs, uh, this character who is a zombie, who is an actor and he is on my show and I'm the director. It's a lot of fun. So hopefully everyone will watch it. 
with, you know, projects like this, this is considered to be a dark comedy and, you know, you do stand up. So it's, it's not out of the realm to, to believe that you're, you know, a funny guy, but when people think of you, maybe they associate you with the soaps. Do you find that there are some people who come and check you out and, and are surprised that you're a funny oh, yeah. guy? Yeah, there are. I mean, you know, for me, I mean, I, you know, I grew up always trying to be funny. I mean, that's, uh, you know, from the, from the early time in, in school, I, I, I don't want to say I was a class clown, but, uh, you know, I was, a I, I would, I would sometimes, uh, try and distract the teacher from their lessons by entertaining the class and ultimately entertaining the teacher. You know, I've been doing stand up off and on since I was 15 years old. Um, wow. and I, I just really, I just really love it. It's a lot of fun. You know, there's that instant reciprocity with the, uh, the audience when, you just know you're either you're either being funny or you're not being funny, and there's not a whole lot of um, gray area there. I mean, so you know, daytime is shot um, not in front of a uh, not in front of a, a live audience, so it's a, it's a very different animal, and it's really fun to get up and do stand-up comedy. And uh, I, you know, this was an opportunity to do some comedy, and even though it wasn't in front of a live audience, it was it was a great time. I had a good time doing it. Another thing that's afforded you the ability to be in front of a live audience is your work with Canaan's Rules. It is a internet radio show, very similar to this, uh, airing yeah. on the Universal Broadcasting Network. What are some of the things that you talk about on Canaan's Rules? I'd imagine when the show's called Canaan's Rules, it's pretty much whatever you want to talk about. Well, you know, my, my wife, Michelle, uh, she's my co-host, and my stepson, Peter, is our on-air producer, and, um, you know, a lot of people have said, wow, you guys have this really fun, great life. You travel, you do a lot of fun stuff, you know, work in the entertainment business. Michelle's a producer, and you have five kids. You know, when I met Michelle, she had four kids, and I have uh, one daughter, and we have this blended Brady Bunch family, and they're like, how do you make this work? And so that's a lot of what we talk about. You know, how do you have, you know, a fun, vibrant marriage, vibrant family life while also you know, um, having five kids. And so, you know, we, uh, we discuss a lot of that. We've had some great celebrity guests on the show. We've had, you know, people from daytime, uh, uh, recent guests have been like Eric Roberts and, uh, uh, Lorenzo Lamas and, uh, Steve Burton was on a couple, a couple months ago. So it's just a lot of fun. It's a unique opportunity for me to, uh, get people that I know in the business or people I'd like to know to come on, to sit down, and to uh, basically uh, have a little chin wag with me and the wife. Five kids. I babysat for three at once, and it was enough to scare me away <laughs> from, <laughs> from yeah. anything ever again. So it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm looking, I'm getting the, the flashing lights telling me that we're almost out of time. So I want to give you okay. one final opportunity in the, the last minute or so to give a message to your fans. Anything that you'd like to tell them? I just want to say thank you so much to everybody. You know, they have really uh, stuck with me through my ups and downs, and there have been lots of both. And, you know, I started in daytime back in 1992, and here we are 22 years later, and I, it, it means the world to me that people have been so supportive of me. Uh, I, I really hope that uh, those fans who watched me on General Hospital and liked what I did there will give Bold and Beautiful a chance if they haven't watched it before. It's, it's a terrific show. It's got great writing, and it's a lot of fun, and I have a super fun character. And uh, like I said, I'm going to be uh, starting June, uh, Friday, June 13th, 
And uh, I I wish everybody would uh, tune in and watch, and they can also follow me on Twitter uh, at Sean Cannon to keep up with everything else that I'm doing. Sean, thank you so much for taking some time out to visit with us. Hopefully, after you start airing, we can have you back, and we can talk more about that, what's going on. Thank you. Okay, buddy. Have a great weekend, everyone. Take care, Dan. Bye-bye. You too, Sean. And as Sean said, you can catch him on The Bold and the Beautiful starting June 13th. The Bold and the Beautiful airs weekdays on CBS. If you're not up to speed, if you're not watching now, there's never a better time to start. And you can also get caught up on SoapCentral.com with recaps and character profiles so you'll know all about the people that you're seeing on screen. That's it. We're out of time for this week. If you'd like any additional information about anything that we've talked about on the show, including Joe Larson's film projects or Sean Kanan's book, check us out on our official Twitter feed at Soap Central at Soap Central Live. You can also get all the details on our official website, SoapCentralLive.com. Every episode we've ever done is available there for free to stream or download. Next week, we're back with the Daytime Emmys nomination special. That's Friday, May 2nd. Same time, same place, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. I'm Dan Kroll, talking fast because we're out of time. We'll be back next week with more of the continuing saga that we call Soap Central Live. Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.